When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so what a week. Since we last spoke to you, the European Super League was birthed, raised and killed off in a tumultuous 50 hours within which this, uh, well, crawling uh, game week of football, FPL football, that is, uh, occurred. Many billionaire owner was besmirched with mud. Uh, but not that many fantasy football managers were. It seemed like it was quite a good week, wasn't it, uh, for, for everybody out there? Uh, no Nick tonight, unfortunately. He's got other commitments. So it's just myself and Anthony. Uh, before he gives you the rundown for today, just say that we are who got the assist uh, i'm tom you can find me at wgta underscore fpl nick is at wgta underscore nick anthony at fpl stag and also we're on instagram um wgta.fpl and min league code is cpsulf in case you are a straggler who hasn't joined yet anthony joins me tonight what's up on this uh, quick turnaround pod Hello, Tom. Uh, good to be back after the longest game week ever. I think the first long game week that we've ever had where I was interested, lost interest because I was distracted and then got interested in it again. Uh, it's a very new dynamic for an FPL game week. But there you go. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to limit my social media use lately, actually. But the last few days do show us how amazing it can be in other ways. Like I completely lost two days of the week actually refreshing my feed with the Super League stuff developing so rapidly and the, the genuine emotion and goosebumps that we well, I felt anyway, watching those Chelsea fans celebrating outside Stamford Bridge was kind of something to marvel at. Um, but it was also, you know, something to be missed as well. And I, I hope we see scenes like that again soon in the terraces. Yeah. But yeah, what, what an insane week it was um, in football. And of course, there is much more to come with discussions about UEFA's new Champions League format as well. But that's not what we're going to talk about on this pod. We just don't feel like that's what this pod is here to do. We're here to talk about FPL. And whilst from our Twitter feeds, you can see how we feel about the whole entire thing. Um, it's pretty much like all the rest of you who are listening. Uh, we just wanted to keep moving on and to keep it on to FPL. And so with that in mind, on the pod today, given we have a very short turnaround, it's going to be the standard parts, really, the correspondence, listeners' questions on all the hot topics at the moment. Um, but we're going to start off with the gaming reviews and market forces. Let's start off with the reviews. Yay! On top of the pile. What happened? What has happened? The world really has changed, hasn't it? I, I'm not too sure what happened this week. Well, actually, I'm sure what happened. Um, 87 points uh, all out, uh, which was obviously very, very good. My transfers as well really did work out this week. So I sold Gundogan, who got one, and Antonio, who was obviously injured. And I brought in Mason Greenwood uh, for Gundogan, uh, 15 points. So a nice 14-point swing my way there. And Antonio's injury um, obviously meant he wasn't going to score anything. So And Ikin actually got six points tonight. Yeah, so a nice 21-20-point gain, I guess, if you minus the one for Gundogan. 16 points if you minus the four um, from the two transfers there. But the big story really was Son. Uh, so I captained him um, against Kane, obviously, after the Everton game, I was in the doldrums, in despair, game over, you know, posting I'm fine gifts on Twitter and all this sort of thing. Um, but in the 90th minute, um, much to the chagrin of basically everybody else, um, Harry started limping and we still, I think he's trained today, uh, potentially. Um, but to the chagrin of most owners, he um, looked like he wasn't going to play the Southampton game and so it proved. 
you know, a proper roller coaster with Son though. Like had that goal disallowed in the 76th minute or something like that. I was just in despair at that. I mean, not in despair at the VAR. I I agree with the decision. Just to, to add, I'm not going to start an anti-VAR rant because I'm not that kind of guy. But I feel like I deserve the penalty, um, even though I had to come into this kitchen and I couldn't watch it basically when he was running up. Just couldn't watch it. But yeah, leaving it to the 120th minute to get a captain return was great. And him matching Kane was was very, very useful as well for my OR. And um, elsewhere, likes of TAA with that assist in free bonus was great. Lingard, the train keeps rolling. And uh, Rudiger uh, with a clean sheet too. So yeah, um, up to 230k or so this year. I think the next move is going to be to probably play a bit safer, actually. So I've had two weeks of last-minute goals bailing me out and going all differential. And the next move now is probably going to be something a bit more straightforward. What about you, Anthony? How did you do? I didn't do too badly. If Nick was here, he'd be in between us, by the way. He got 85 points oh, yeah, minus yeah. four, so 81 net. And I did a little bit less than that, about 10 points less, actually, in fact. So 71 points in total. And honestly, that wasn't too bad, considering I only had Kane captained. I didn't have any triple captains in force or anything, and I didn't have Son either. So all in all, actually, in spite of the fact that it's a good bit less than both of you guys, it's still enough, actually, for a very small green arrow. About I think I've gained about three points on the template this week to bring me to uh, 31,360, according to my live rank, which is obviously brilliant. I'm delighted with that. It was poxy, though. The, the route to get there. Uh, first of all, <laughs> in goals, uh, Mendy didn't play. Sanchez came off the bench, nine-pointer. That could so easily have been Forster, and it was just kind of doing a little bit of research, really on the final day of my wildcard, uh, meant that I ended up going for Sanchez because he rotated well with, uh, with Mendy. I was not thinking about the game where Mendy was playing Sanchez for that, but there you go, it worked out quite well. Uh, defence, a bit of a mixed bag really holdings two points uh, was fine Rudiger seven Alexander Arnold eight Alexander Arnold's form is unbelievably good he's extremely promising I'm delighted yeah. I've had him early and he's definitely the Liverpool guy to have especially when you compare that with Joe Bajata who there are questions about his fitness we're not sure yet and keep an eye on that um, dear listener all over Friday as Twitter will continue to ruminate about him and also Salah only one point as well I did have Lingard as you say the train keeps rolling I'd show on defence as well I forgot to say that uh, Bruno Fernandes Harry Kane captain Ihenacho. and then I was quite fortunate really actually because I benched Diaz and Gundogan it was a uh, kind of a bit of a strong call hoping that things wouldn't go too well for them I didn't even know if Gundogan would play he obviously did he had a few shots none of them in the box none of them <laughs> went in yeah. I was okay and Diaz obviously Wiped out, thanks in no small part to the good work of the elite player that is Watkins setting up uh, John McGinn. So with that in mind, 71 points, I think, is a good, fine result. I, I have two free transfers. I'm well set up for this blank game week. I have three blankers and I'll probably only have two after my transfers are done. All is okay in the world. All motoring along in a good direction for once on this very, very quick turnaround podcast. Um, market forces very, very swiftly just because obviously the game week is just finished. But I guess moving towards that template, we're seeing um, Ikenacho again be picked up by many, many people. 160,000 transfers in for him. Um, most of it expensive. Kane, it looks like 182,000 sales, which seems a bit presumptuous. Uh, seems a bit uh, kind of a trigger happy just because Kane has got Sheffield United next. Um, not sure about that one, but I can it's kind the, of see if you're going for it. The, it's the flag that's getting people. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, in second, as you mentioned earlier, Anthony, um, CAA, he's definitely in one hell of a 
purple patch at the moment. Uh, 150,000 transfer in for him, up 7.5 million now. So back to base price. Again, very, very glad I got him in early. We'll speak about him later on. Um, Salah, his uh, teammate, a third for transfers in, 130,000 transfers in for him now. At the expense of Son and maybe Gundogan, but maybe that's probably a bit too expensive for, the, for him. But Son, yeah, 145,000 transfers out. Greenwood in fourth for transfers in, 115,000 transfers in. And Vardy, um, I guess after tonight's heroics, 110,000 transfers in. So fairly straightforward there. Um, interesting that people still have Stones, Cresswell and Gundogan to be selling. Maybe it's just kind of a time people are starting, as I guess we speak about this in a little bit, a time for people to reorientate their teams around, Anthony. Yeah, I think that's what that reflects, really. And I think defensive transfers are always the things that people are loath to do. And so it, it's no surprise, really, that if if you had stones and you kind of felt like you were just playing with Pep Rudette anyway, maybe I could kind of see how you hadn't sold him yet. And Cresswell, maybe you were always just hoping for something to happen. So those things do make sense. But overall, it is definitely a reorientation. I think between the blanks and the fixture shift that had probably occurred about two game weeks ago at this stage, between the two of those, and actually, I think as well, there's kind of, there are clear sides who have changed their inform. There's teams who have clearly gone onto the beach. And I think like who we're targeting is changing slightly as a, as a consequence of that as well. So all of those transfers really do reflect that. Absolutely. And I think correspondence question this week, I mean, obviously we wouldn't, we wouldn't normally do one because it's um, you know something we don't normally do in a quick turnaround. We don't want to kind of uh, throw that kind of correspondence in something, which is quite a short-term shelf life of a podcast. But this one this week from Ollie really does kind of get at that doesn't it so he thought it was worth including here i'm sure this week's correspondence uh ali asht has sent an email into who got the assist at gmail.com and it's a delightful email very much pointed for this game week uh hi guys i hope this email finds you well if you still have your wild card left and are hit by these blanks in game week 33 would taking a hit be silly in order to field a starting 11 or should the wild card just be used to set myself up you could argue the case that there's always going to be more info but part of me thinks that it could be worth the wait this time around very new to the pod. It's a great listen and appreciate the work you guys do. Many thanks, Oliver. So thanks oh. very much, Oliver, for emailing that in. Tom, what do you think of his email? That's very kind. Uh, thank you. Um, I guess for Ollie here, I think it's, I'd say it's best to pull apart the fact you've got the wild card from the challenge of fielding a decent team in 33. Like, I think that's kind of what your question was aiming at. And I often feel like, as reflected in the question wording, would a hit be silly? I think you said that he'd said we're often compelled or obliged to or feel obliged to use our resources to navigate a difficult situation when the reality is some something more basic like just taking hits tends to be easier than throwing down the chips which i think probably is the case here i know that obviously you could think oh you know the wild card's gonna be my get out of jail free card but it just doesn't feel that way game week 34's fixtures are funny enough what i'd be looking at here not the incoming ones because that looks really tricky like liverpool meet united for example but liverpool themselves have a really good run from game week 35 onwards which means using your wild card this week looks a little bit inefficient i suppose going forward and given what ben crellin's been saying about the 70 percent chance he says of a double game within 35 and the blank in 36 it seems optimal time to use that wild card will be in 35 if you've still got one left. Because you can throw that out to maximise double and then navigate the subsequent blank. Um, you can throw together a quite decent team there, which kind of uh, covers both teams at, uh, equally, I think. And this week as well is quite tricky because, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit in terms of you know what we're going to do with Son and Kane. But if you choose the wild card now, you either have Son and Kane, who I'd assume most have, 
on your bench so you've got a, a diluted kind of a value team or you're gonna need a pathway a plan to get them back because 34 onwards for them like liverpool is very very good and from 34 they've got sheffield nice at home leeds away wolves and aston villa at home and leicester away booking and transfer on the wild card is never ideal it's never a, it's not a no-no um but it's something that i wouldn't really like so i guess the logic is always that if you're taking a minus two to remove an unavailable player just do that and take the hit to navigate the current scenario and save that wild card because i don't think the concept quite favors it uh, what do you think there anthony yeah so i think your analysis is really good on when using a wild card would be well set up it just the one thing that's maybe worth bearing in mind though is that using it in 35 means really you're only getting four weeks benefit out of the wild card i kind of feel like no matter what mm. you can you can set up a team right now and just accepting that United versus Liverpool might not be the best week in the world. Otherwise, you can set yourself up quite well with the squad um, that has your two Spurs players, let's say, even in it and on the bench or just one of them and book a transfer to get the other one in. I presume you've got value tied up in at least one of them, presumably Kane, uh, right now. And you can set yourself up going forward. Um It isn't that hard of a run-in to consider as far as I'm concerned um, in terms of like the, let's say, the other eight players that you have in your squad or the other eight players that you'd have in your ideal starting lineup beyond those Spurs guys and maybe one other City fellow or something. So I think you could strategically plan a good wildcard now that sets you up. Factors to consider in transfers right now, and I think this is something that's applicable for everyone who's listening, not necessarily just wildcard people. You've obviously got the run-in on transfers, but also who is on the beach. So I would say at this point, Southampton Palace and Wolves are on the beach. Uh, above them, Villa, Leeds and Everton, you can ask questions about, but I, I wouldn't be too keen to condemn any of them just yet. Below them, Newcastle seem to be fighting away. Brighton, fighting away. Burnley, it's, I think it's a less sure thing and could be classified as on the beach. And then there's the condemned, uh, Fulham and Sheffield United, who I think we can be targeting. But you just need to make sure you consider whatever transfers you do make, the doubles and the blanks that Tom has laid out to you. And just be careful as well. I think something that's quite easy to do, and this is definitely for everyone, not just for Ollie. The template defence has seems to have at least three from a mix of Chelsea, so you've your Rudiger, Aspidiqueta, or Alonso from United with Luke Shaw, Arsenal with Holding, and maybe with uh, Leicester with Fofana. Quite a lot of people, I think, are going to be down to two defenders for game week 36 if the blanks go as we're expecting. And that's going to cause a bit of trouble for people because you're just going to end up having 10 players by default if that happens. And that's just something to keep in mind going forward. So, yeah, thanks very much for Ollie for emailing in for the correspondence section. We've got quite a few emails in this week, but that said, we would welcome any more that you guys have. So who got the assist at gmail.com with your addendums, comments, questions, songs, poems, themes, etc. We'd love to hear it all. Yep. Thanks, Ollie. Right. OK, let's move on to the questions this week. We got uh, we got a few. I think there was a, a little bit of Twitter fatigue. There wasn't as many as normal. Uh, but nonetheless, we still managed to fill it out and get most of the key kind of bases covered. Uh, the first one is kind of mid-range cheap buy-ins. Uh, so FPL Giraffe asks, should he be prioritising bringing in Jota or Greenwood, bearing in mind he owns Salah but no Bruno? I think maybe given the Jota rumours at the moment, we need to wait and see what happens with Klopp tomorrow. Um, it, that's obviously Greenwood. But I think there's a wider chat here around Liverpool running that I think this thing's into. Um, so desperately can do Zam. He asks, what are the optimum two Liverpool players to go alongside TAA from you know Salah, Mane and Robbo? How essential is getting Salah back? And just to remind you, from uh, next game week, Liverpool do have Newcastle at home. They've got Manchester United away in 34, but 35 to 38. 
Southampton at home, West Brom away, Burnley away and Chris Palace at home. A fantastic run for them. So obviously, naturally, a lot of eyes looking at them. And to answer Giraffe's question first, if I may, I got Mason Greenwood in last week because I noticed he was third for shots in the box and third for shots for midfielders, as well as having created a couple of big chances. And I was really drawn to the fact as well that Oli had been praising his game and his development this year. Um, But more importantly was the fact that Martial was absent. So he was quite start-stop before this, but I felt with that guy out, you know, his time come again. Luckily, Burnley were quite obliging. And he's just fantastic value for his price. One of those whose reclassification, like his teammate Rashford, was overshadowed by Aubameyang at the start of the season. So, I mean, okay, United's fixture is a bit more patchy. Uh, they've got Leeds next, obviously, in Liverpool. Potential double game week, according to Bren Crellin, Aston Villa and Leicester. 36 will be blank then, and Fulham and Wolves. So, an okay end to the season. But I think Greenwood at 7.0, if he does kind of keep this up, he is in great form or at least in a great purple patch at the moment does represent fantastic value at the price point so that was why i bought him in and i was very happy to get like 15 points from him didn't like it at half time but yeah very very nice from mason what do you think about mason greenwood first as a united fan anthony do you think he's going to be continuing to start please say yes yes i do and um, we were only talking about him i guess on the pod last week we bigged him up quite big last week actually didn't we and uh, it was nice to see you jumping on it and to be rewarded for it as well sad i didn't do it i just banked a transfer instead but he was kind of the one who was most on my mind but I'd have had to probably take a hit to make it happen um, with the City players at the time so such is the way I missed out on it um, I do think he's worth bringing in though as you've said like you've, you've pointed out basically that yeah it's it's all of the underlying data not some bits of it just all of it like in terms of attempts now uh, looking at the 27 to 32 he is now second uh, for attempts in the box the, the 15 that's just one less than Kane's the same as Salah and it's more than Diogo Jota Chris Wood, who was right up there in those metrics for a few weeks. And of course, like his XG is quite good as well. He even has more big chances created than Bruno in that 27 to 32 period, albeit his three big chances created from five key passes, um, making for a greater XA as well than Bruno's. Maybe is a little bit unsustainable. Like those are pretty much teeing up perfect opportunities for teammates. So maybe I wouldn't read in a huge amount into his uh, assist potential from those numbers but he obviously has a bit of that potential there and there's no denying that so yeah a good pick I think uh, Greenwood especially if the Jota rumours prove true but I would have been saying that Salah was essential just looking at his underlying data he's perking up and you can see that in his results as well and there's a reason why people are so interested in him with quite a few favorable fixtures to come as you've, you've noted them already but we've the Newcastle game which Newcastle are resurgent but at the same time they are Newcastle, they can be scored against. I think United is a fine fixture too. I'm not too concerned for Liverpool in that, especially if they want to qualify for the Champions League. Realistically, they need to try and get, um, probably get three points from every game they have left. They have uh, what three teams that we're kind of outlining is on the beach and West Brom. So that's a pretty decent setup of fixtures for them. Uh, even actually looking at Salah's underlying data, you can even see that he's been doing particularly well in the last few weeks. So between game weeks one to 27, his non-pen XG per start was 0.4. That has gone up substantially, actually, between 27 and 32 to 0.63. And even just to compare a slightly tighter time horizon before now, from game mix 20 to 27, so you're kind of talking January-ish through to February-ish, you're saying that he had, he had a non-pen XG of 0.44. And obviously, as I say, the last five, six game weeks, he's had 0.63. So he really is actually getting more opportunities than he has been. 
that's in no small part to the fact that Liverpool have perked up uh, substantially from where they were with a chasing the top four now that they can't guarantee themselves a space in the Super League. Yes, indeed. I think over the last six games, compared to the last six games before that, Liverpool's attack has ticked up a bit. I think ticked up is the word we're using here rather than saying it's been a significant upturn because that's not quite the case. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely not. Like We're not talking about they've returned last season or the season before that's for them. It's just like no. it's better than it was. No, so over the last six games, I've had uh, 15 goal attempts per game uh, near enough. Uh, whereas some, uh, six games before that, it was 12. In terms of uh, minutes per chance, that's ticked up as well. Uh, so 6.4 minutes per chance at the moment compared to 7.7 before that. And also defensively, we're tightened up as well. So big chance conceded 1.8 per game now, which is over the last six, sorry, which isn't, which isn't fantastic, but I mean, that, that's pretty decent uh, compared to 2.6 beforehand. Um, and as you mentioned, Salah, yeah, very much back in the data, isn't he? He's back in the game uh, there. Um, obviously, he was rested this week, we think. I don't think he was dropped. I think he was just given kind of that time. Uh, second most shots on target over the last six. Uh, joint top for shots in the box. And fifth for XG, albeit behind luminaries such as Chris Wood, as uh, Anthony mentioned earlier on. And he's actually, a uh, nice little stat, in the bottom 10 in terms of XGI performance versus what he's actually done as well over the last six. Uh, nice note, Bruno is second from bottom there, meaning that returns are quote-unquote due uh, from him uh, very, very soon. Um, so yeah, I think he's um, going to be one that those people are going to be jumping on. I think I'm probably just going to bite the bullet and go with him, to be fair. Um, but there are a couple of other options. I mean, Jota, we need to see what happens with him now. He has looked very, very lively over the last few games. Um, second shots in the box. Um, and also top six for XG, although he hasn't ex- expressed that, which is really, really annoying. And Mane as well. Um, the perennial sort of viable alternative for chasers, 5% owned. So... On a serious, serious cold streak um, before the last game week when um, TAA gave him that tap-in, he hadn't scored for 15 games. But he have been putting in acceptable numbers given the style of player he is. Doesn't rifle the shots in like Mo does, but he has um, he has those high XG chances, has the big chances, um, and he could be one of those players who's worth buying. But I think if you are looking at Liverpool, I'm sure you agree with me, Anthony. Good point said earlier. Trent is the guy, isn't he? Um, if you if you're kind of thinking, all oh, right, I've got Salah, who am I going to supplement him with? Back to monster mode. Uh, most chance growth over the last six, highest XA over the last six, and. Yeah, I've had 30 points from him in the last two weeks because I captained him last week for a fantastic last-minute goal, which was clearly all skill. Um, so happy days, really. I mean, Robbo looked at his data earlier on. Nothing there really over the last six is really poor. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. If, if it was like kind of that right-hand side of Liverpool, Salah and Trent um, are the two to own from now. And I, I guess that because, the in, because of that running, the interest is going to get very high in them. I mean, would you look past those two if you are kind of an engaged manager? I, I'm talking as in from 300k upwards in terms of ranking Anthony it's hard to really push anyone towards anyone else on that Liverpool side right now of course there's potential upsides based on past performances in the likes of Robertson and in the likes of Mane Uh, but to be honest I'm just not interested in the rest of them there's uh, worries about uh, an interest to Nathaniel Phillips which means that I'm just not as interested in him as you know I might have been in another week where he was just quite a brilliant enabler to have Alisson 
actually might not be a bad idea. And this actually draws in one of the other questions that we have, which is talking about goalkeepers. So I might as well segue us through to that as well. Cheeto Chips was saying that he was interested in our thoughts on the best keeper for the rest of the season. He went with Mendy Forster on the wildcard two weeks ago, and that has now failed spectacularly with neither of those playing in the last game week. So he's asking what happens next. Now, what I'm telling you is that looking at the fixtures, Allison does stick out as a particularly brilliant option for that goalkeeper slot. And if Jota is injured, and this is with that caveat, I don't think you'll need your third Liverpool slot for the rest of this year. So with that in mind, I think like you could just throw him in and double up on those defensive gains. It's a bit like having double City defence earlier in the season. It's not a perfect option. And for the fact of the matter is that I have Mendy and I'm going to stick with Mendy. And I reckon he'll play enough games for me not to be feeling too left down. I'm not going to make a goalkeeper transfer. But if you were setting yourself up and just wanted one goalkeeper, especially if you had Forster and then a more expensive goalkeeper, swapping to Allison isn't impossible. Looking at the fixtures as well, just Leno, Flappy, um, Fabianski and... You Pope can call have, him Fabianski as well. I, I hate calling him that, but yes, <laughs> Leno, uh, Fabianski and Pope are there. They have good fixtures. Uh, the cheaper fixture kind of option is Melier from Leeds. Personally, as I say though, it'll stay with Mendy and Sanchez. I think Sanchez's fixtures are more than adequate for his price and if Mendy doesn't play, so be it. Covering inverted commas Liverpool defence is probably a good idea as mentioned earlier there. Pretty much more solid I guess over the last six. Yeah. In terms of you know transitioning to that question from Juto Chips, Mendy Forster was so unlucky. Uh, 20% of the top 100k had gone with that combo wombo and yeah that, that was just, it's just unfortunate. There's nothing else you can say about that. Um, I stepped away from the lorry smooth that I was going to do so for me personally I'm just sticking with Emmy I think from here and I spoke to FPL Tips uh, Harry who's a Chelsea fan about what he thinks is going on he said it's probably not going to be the last time you were left in the lurch when it comes to the keeper but what what can you do I mean no one likes to make goalkeeper transfers you you might make one here if you've got some money floating around maybe get rid of Forster I, I like what you said about Melier I think he was the one I also had noted down you could do worse than him I think I mean Leeds have tightened considerably over the last six compared to the season average. Uh, they've really battered down their big chance concession. They are no longer kind of, you know, the poorest uh, proposition they once were. Uh, plus, Melier is top for saves over the last six and also season long. Um, so they've got a decent end of season in sight. They've got Man United next. Uh, they've got Bryson away in game 34, Tottenham at home in 35, but you know, 36 Burnley away, 37 Southampton away, 38 West Brom at home. If Melier doesn't get a clean sheet, he's going to get you save points at least. So if you want to throw him in and kind of have him there just to kind of back up your um, your first choice goalkeeper in Mendy, then that's fine. But if I were you, Gito Chips, in this particular instance, I'd just do what Anthony's doing and just kind of just suck up, <laughs> frankly, because it just feels like we've got finite transfers left now. And do you really want to spend on your precious transfers on a goalkeeper where the ceiling for your payoff is going to be so low unless you get a lucky uh, a pen save? No. So I, I just think just just deal with it, basically. Yeah, it could like it could be Forster to Sanchez or to Melier, but like that's such a bloody hard transfer to make at this time, as you say, Tom. So... A, a tough one for you, Cheeto Chips, but no, you're not alone, at least. That's the only thing. <laughs> right. Um, so Spurs next up. So we've kind of covered Liverpool, it sounds like, with TAA and Salah on them. Um, but Neil Gupta asks, if under Ryan Mason, to touch on the Spurs, if an in from the cold, Gareth Bale could be a potent differential for the run-in. Um, so it's, it's very tricky with Spurs, isn't it? Now, we need an idea of how Kane is. We've heard that maybe he may, be, he may have been training today at the time of recording. We've got no official confirmation of that. But watching them play at Southampton, he's the guy who 
makes the team tick effectively. He's number nine and number 10, isn't he, at this moment in time? Uh, GLC was trying to be the playmaker yesterday and he was really ring rusty, you know, lots of poor decisions. Easy for me to say, actually, because I was a song captain, hoping he'd find him all those times. Um, but I mean, Spurs are still kind of going to be transitioning, recovering from Mourinho uh, for quite a while. And I guess Bale, as someone who was frozen out, is kind of ping on radars a bit but amply there's just zero data isn't there <laughs> to try to kind of commend him to us as an option yeah we were discussing this pod before we started recording and time just happened to say that he had a little bit on gareth bale and i was like what data <laughs> there's nothing to look at like we can't really give you any evidence on gareth bale based obviously on one appearance against southampton like it's it's too little to go off of course you're saying recovering from Mourinho. recovering from Mourinho was an incredibly fruitful time for FPL managers who invested in Man United players under Ole Solskjaer so like there's like there's nothing to say that just having had Mourinho doesn't mean that there won't be brilliant FPL gold within a side it's just trying to find it the problem with Bale is that he's just 0.4 cheaper than Son and that's a seriously tough risk reward question to be dealing with right there especially given his injury profile as well um it does make it very, very challenging. Now, the, the fact of the matter is, is that even his finish against Southampton and just his overall play remind you that he is in a different class to almost every player in the league when he's on it. But it, this question, I think, really comes down to whether you think he'll play and whether you feel like you really, really need to roll the dice to get where you want to get. I don't think you should have him in your midfield if you don't have Son. He's your second Spurs midfielder. And are you going to triple up with Kane as well if Kane turns out to be fit going forward? Like, Are you going to end up with a trident of Spurs players under Ryan Mason, hoping for the best that things turn around? How many weeks do they have in this run before they realise that they're probably going to miss Champions League in mathematically? That, that's, that's a hard question as well. Like I know they're not a million miles off it, but one slip up and they're just right off it. Like Suddenly we're talking about them as an on-the-beach team and things kind of the whole entire complexion about what they're seeking under Mason kind of changes completely. So this mm. boils down to whether you think Bale will play, but it also boils down to what you think Ryan Mason can achieve at Spurs. And that's an impossible question to know the answer to. Perhaps. I mean, that, that's exactly it, though, I think, in terms of the fact that Bale is the number three pick, isn't he, in the attack. There was a time after Burnley in game at 26 when buying Bale was part of your Spurs attack as your third man would have paid dividends the very next week. Uh, well, he did blank in the first of the double game week, but he, he got scored another brace in the second. So Burnley and Palace in game 26 and 27, the ones that listed brace from him. And he's just obviously scored again against the old club Saints. It's his third goal in three uh, matches against them since he left, I saw. I mean, I, I think that this has been fueled by the fact that, you know, he's got Three decent-looking home games left against clubs with a similar typology to Burnley and Palace coming up. So that's Sheffield United, Wolves and Aston Villa, 34, 36, 37 respectively. So I can understand the kind of, I don't think it's a big interest, but kind of a, a slight interest um, out there in the world. It's very belief-based, as Anthony's kind of inferring there. It's not really based in the data. It's more about kind of just thinking, oh, those games look similar to Burnley and Palace, so he could do something. And to be fair, his ownership is so low that he could be a punt that could, in, on a one-week basis, give you a really great return. I completely understand that. 
Um, and maybe the fact that, you know, there's been lots of kind of chat this week and in the Athletic it was written as well, and that Mourinho didn't want to play Bale and that Levy wanted him to play Bale because obviously £200,000 a week for a player who's marooned on the bench is not the best. So maybe Mason will do that. It is a reasonable punt, I think. Yeah. But I, but the I one find thing, it hard to see past earning Son and Kane. The one thing I would say is that, okay, so we have the blank game week this week in 33, obviously monitor how he does in that make sure he doesn't go off limping in that if you're thinking about getting bail you have to get him for 34 against Sheffield United I don't think there's any negotiations about that like mm. if you if yeah. you wait for the Sheffield United game to like see if you should get him for Wolves or for Leeds or for Aston Villa I think you're kind of missing the point of what that punt is like that punt is probably hoping for a double figure haul against Sheffield United and then hoping that it might come again yeah. uh, a fortnight later yeah, I think it's it's definitely interesting though now just to kind of move into white space territory thinking about these sort of punts at this time of the season because these are never things that we would ever advise if you're in the 20s, you know, in the teens of game weeks. But now that sort of thing, those sort of Hail Mary passes do come into view as being worthwhile things, don't they? I mean, I've seen a few conversations this week. I'm going to lose Kane this week. I'm going to lose Son this week. I've seen a few people saying, you know, I'm going to maybe lose, lose Bruno um, because that's going to be my way of financing Salah. Um, it's definitely come through as being that sort of time to just kill the sacrificial lambs, hasn't it, Anthony? And like use the last few transfers just to make something different because the template is one thing. But now, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I was in a really bad place. So I've made a few changes to try to beat the template in some ways, beat the EO. I mean, do you think this is now the time to start to think about slaughtering the sacrificial lambs and going for these sort of, you know, helpful ever moves, like I guess we're saying Bell would be? If there was a time to be doing that sort of thing, it is now. But I think people need to remember that a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast probably care about what their overall rank will look like in the cold, hard light of day come August. And I think you need to keep in mind that what it might do to your overall rank, taking those risks, diverging from the template and possibly falling a few hundred K in rank at the end of this season. At the other side of things, if you want a high rank or you're chasing victory in a cash league or whatever it might be, yeah, like you, it's probably the time of the year where you're not going to be rewarded for being completely safe. There is a real template after forming there. People might get a little bit fortunate that the template might be broken a little bit by injuries this week. Looks like we're going to have some slight divergences again and you know everyone's uh, template rating might fall. Mine's at 88% at the moment, which is just skyrocketingly, scarily high for a manager who kind of tends to try to do things difficult, differently like me. So with that in mind, yeah, take your Hail Marys if you want to take them, but just know the consequences of it going wrong too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the only kind of rejoinder to that is a question from Jeremy Lewis this week, who asked, you know, what we're we doing with Man City players after this week, after this game week that is just gone. So Gundogan, I was obviously very pleased he got yellow card and got one point. Um, I've got Diaz off the bench. Diaz, I you know happily keep, but six million for a six defender, where every game, as our friend Epo Orsmo keeps saying, is basically an exhibition. Who cares? We've won it all. I mean. As you saw in the market for Symphony, people are reorientating to kind of just move towards how the Met is going to look towards the end of the season. 
is it now the time to get those city players and what are we doing with those moves? Are we just following the market forces and going in on you know, the Leicester kind of defenders or uh, what's the vibe there? So maybe some ground info for people, first of all. So just in the top 10K, Stones was in about 21% of teams. Gundogan was in about 22% of teams. And um, Diaz was in 31% of teams. So there's an awful lot of people who are facing this quandary this week for sure. And there's an awful lot of other city players that could kind of be mixed into that and pairs of them or whatever. For me, it's two of them. I have both Gundogan and Diaz. Since our last podcast, when we did discuss this briefly, City have obviously gone through in the Champions League against Dortmund. Good Good convincing performance. As we've noted before, Gundogan definitely plays in the Champions League under Pep. That seems to be one thing that has been almost certain over the last few seasons, and I don't see that changing in the season that he's been particularly good. So with that in mind, I think selling Gundogan is definitely an option. I was afraid to do it on my wildcard just a few weeks ago, but options are emerging that I can swap him out for. Uh, basically, you can read that as Greenwood. And so with that in mind, I just don't think it's a risk um, for me anymore. I am keeping Diaz. He doesn't have a blank game week in 36 if uh, Krellen's uh, forecast proved true. That's important purely because I don't want to end up with two defenders. And with Stone suspended for two game weeks, uh, I kind of feel that Diaz is just more likely to feature overall in games going into things. Now, that's he wouldn't be featuring at 30. Or Stones would be back in 36. Yeah. So that's not a question of that. But I just feel like Basically, Diaz's place doesn't feel as under threat as it had done in previous weeks. And so I think I might get something out of him, basically away to Crystal Palace, and then I can reassess from there. He's just not the biggest problem in my side now. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, I'm not too sure with with City. I think attacking-wise, I can't imagine there's something. People left with, maybe there's people left with De Bruyne, Gundogan hanging around. Like These are players that you should be looking at with a blank in 33 and thinking, yeah, it's time to just say goodbye to these guys. Um, you know, if you do have a bit of money floating around, I think you know, replacing Gundogan with Madison can be a good shout. I mean, tonight he didn't get any returns, of course, but he did look the sort of player who you know, returns are going to be on their way very, very soon. Um, FPL Chimp Paradox mentioned him in a very good running thread I saw earlier on. In the last five matches he actually played in, um, he scored 34 points. He got the most assists, um, joint third most goals, joint second most shots, second shots on target, and the third uh, big chance created. I mean, this is the guy who created the most big chances three years ago in the Premier League as well. Um, I think he could be one to really keep an eye on. I guess because Leicester is, uh, we've spoken about them kind of in drips and drabs here. But the next three games, especially if they continue in the form that we saw tonight, are just irresistible really for them. Uh, Crystal Palace at home in 33, Southampton home in 34, and a potential double game week of Newcastle and, yeah, United in 35. Um, That's the sort of scene that we should be kind of looking at in view of this sort of run-in schedule i believe i think it's uh, and uh, no castania was a play that i was talking about in our slack earlier on i've got timestamps people it's before <laughs> before tonight I, I, I did mention him as being a worth worthy punt uh, it's beginning to look like we're kind of playing things by fixture now isn't it rather than playing things by form to some extent if we're looking at players like that the leicester players i think first of all was probably what's worth addressing Nacho, i think should be in everyone's team at this point Vardy suddenly seeming to get on the train again and get going definitely poses questions. And I think if 
people somehow came to know that Kane was actually going to be injured for a few weeks, then Kane to Vardy wouldn't necessarily be a bad play on Friday. But as it stands right now, we don't have anything to suggest that that would be the thing. So I think we're really talking about those midfielders, and I think you've pretty much highlighted the main ones there. Defensive-wise, Leicester also interesting. And the thing with Leicester as well, you noticed the Man United game um, being there for Leicester if they um, either in the double in 35 or else it'll be 36 if they don't end up having that blank. Either way, that United game, whilst challenging, it's a must-win game for them. Leicester's run-in is Man United, Chelsea, Tottenham. Champions League rival, Champions League rival, Champions League rival. And famously enough, Leicester have missed out in the Champions League in the last few years, often being in positions like they're in right now and falling out of them. These are, you know, whatever about the actual cup final that Leicester are in, these are their cup finals in truth this year. And it'll be really, really interesting to see. Now, United, of all of those fixtures, if they continue their form in the next two, three games, especially if United can beat Liverpool, they're going to be in a fairly safe uh, second place at that point. So that might not necessarily be a bad game for Leicester. Chelsea is just a, that's going to be a really tough game. And then the Spurs game, Spurs are either going to be in it at that point or that's probably almost a playoff game for the Champions League. So these are not games where you would expect Leicester to be on the beach. So I think these are all games where you'd expect, you know, top-class players to show top-class performances. And that's usually where the man of destiny himself, Jamie Vardy, proves his crust, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, do you still have you still have them, don't you? No, no, I haven't. I haven't got them since the wildcard. Ah, um, yeah. No, I remember yeah, so very well, I, didn't you, when you weren't playing? <laughs> you just you left it. Left yeah, him. yeah. He he stayed he stayed in there. I captained him for one of the game weeks when everyone uh, had like one and two points. It was great. It's pretty much surged me, what, maybe a hundred K rank point. Hmm. Um K rank by itself. But no, I don't have them right now. I'd like to have them. But to be honest, right up until the West Brom game, there was nothing to suggest I was missing out on too much. Yeah, no, I get you. Is it, is it? But just it's it's actually when you see the hard fixtures for Leicester that you start to get wondering whether it's it's time to get Vardy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the two faces of Jamie Vardy, isn't it? Left in those fixtures, you've got three fairly easy looking on paper games: Palace, Southampton, and Newcastle. And then you've got Man United, Chelsea, and Tottenham to end the season. I mean, you've got Vardy over the last year, who became a bit of a flat track bully, compared to Vardy, the, you know, as Nick called it, of a stats buster who absolutely smashed the top six teams. Anti ESL hero, uh, Jamie Vardy, it could be said, who's 8% owned this week. I can't imagine him being too much of a differential much longer. Um, but I guess that would encompass selling Kane. And I guess. But do you see him not being a differential? This is the thing is that I feel like it's fairly standard at this point and I know someone's screaming down saying no I have a different st- set of strikers but I think it's pretty normal for people <laughs> to have Kane Ihenacho, and usually a dud like I feel like me having Chris Wood at 6.2 is almost a very expensive you're third name got, you're on saying you've got Wood That's I do disgusting. I oh, do indeed podcast, all those shots in the box Tom uh, had me interested but like of course that's not necessarily the case anymore and so he's you know he's a potential option for my side mm. but geez there's no stretching that to Vardy no, and as well very hard like do I really want to have two Leicester strikers I just it's just so hard to know um I think I personally am going to end up waiting out the Palace game and see what's happened from there before I make any decisions on Vardy but that's not a winner's play I would say like no. the winner no, the winner you, you the winner gets him early right oh, the yeah, they've, already, they've already got him but but if the bus hasn't left then you know it's certainly leaving against Crystal Palace at home Absolutely. at eight o'clock on the 26th of April 
I, I am, I'm still stuck with Bam, Bamford, actually. I've, I've kept him as being the... Because I had Antonio to get rid of. I've had other fires to put out. So he's kind of sat on my bench over the last few, few sort of uh, sketchy fixtures. So he's, he's still there. And I think he's going to stay there to the end of the season because the uh, leads um, uh, are actually okay until the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I feel like if I'm getting Salah in, I've then got to... Son's going to be the sacrifice and then things get very, very hairy in terms of how you do it because there's a bit of a lack of flexibility at the moment because if we're saying that we're going to be keeping Kane, which I think we probably both are, let's be fair, unless we hear something tomorrow which is going to be drastically changing that paradigm. I mean, you've got Salah in play, you've got Fernandez still probably in play. I mean, okay, he's not done anything over the last uh, six games apart from that penalty against City and the assist against Brighton. But let's be fair, he's won all the way from being essential. And you've got Trent now back in play. Things are getting very, very tight, aren't they? And Vardy becomes that sort of ancillary punt when you're really chasing. Maybe that's one I should be looking at, to be fair. Um, But, I mean, you're not going to be removing the likes of Bruno are you Anthony it's, it's not going to happen is it I I, I I, think he's the one who's looking most vulnerable for me after what's happened but if it was like Leeds as we were saying before we came on there it's one of those fixtures where you look at it and you just go yeah I mean if he does perform big then suddenly I've got a big headache because I, 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 there's no way I can remove him then I kind of feel like when someone suggests you know when you you're just not don't feel like having something like a McDonald's, and then someone suggests going for that takeaway, and it's just like the idea of it almost like makes you feel uncomfortable. I think that's almost what the idea of selling the likes of Fernandez and Salah does for me. That they're just they're just in too many teams for me to be comfortable <laughs> doing it, and it's just I I can't do it. Basically, that's what it boils down to, Tom. I just can't allow myself to get caught by. Fernandez again and there's a bit of a gambler's fallacy thing in that that you know <laughs> he can't possibly continue to not get returns and the day he gets returns I don't want to miss them and then there's Salah and like he's obviously turning and the fixtures are coming through and there's potentially a Jota injury and all the rest so making that money up is just almost impossible like very much gone are the days about what 10-15 game weeks ago where a lot of us were running around with 10 million in the bank oh god I remember those days they're amazing weren't they like it just seems so long ago. Sunny days are have you gone? I mean, I've got Bruno, and I bought him at ten point five. He's now eleven point six. Like if I get rid of him, that's a hard goodbye. Now, that sounds really dodgy, but you know what I mean. Um, and as he said himself, dreams can't be by. Exactly, dreams cannot be by, and he might have double game week as well in thirty five. Aston Villa away, Leicester at home. And that if I am going to be playing the template game, providing all goes well in thirty three, thirty four, that is the obvious captain isn't it so yeah it's gonna be hard to consign myself to world world without bruno which is what's gonna happen if i sell them so yeah very very tough times right let's move on thank you for the questions this week uh, let's move on to the cat transfers and captains um and obviously it's a bit of a vexed question because none of the press conferences really have happened this week thus far there are going to be an avalanche tomorrow by the time you've heard this or the time you're hearing this i'm sure you'll probably be ahead in the knowledge of where we are at the moment nonetheless we'll give you a vague idea of where we are uh, anthony where are you in the moment uh, I am in the guest bedroom, but I'm also considering my transfers. And the those Lol. transfers that 
ha 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 work from home lol yeah so <laughs> <laughs> oh guest bedroom oh yeah no, I'm fancy. <laughs> oh, right. i've got two i've got two of them these days bro yeah the town's new house guys it's a mansion <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah obviously i think what i was considering um was gunduan out and possibly wood out to get greenwood and a dud in that has changed dramatically now if the Jota injury news is true. And so ugh, I, I'm, I, I, Jota will go if he's injured, especially because the, the rumours suggest it's a pretty bad injury. So it would be pretty, it would be pretty much him out. Um, likewise, if there was news that Kane was going to miss, let's say, any more than three game weeks, no, two game weeks, I think I'd be selling him as well and I'd be finding a way to get him in but later because Vardy's fixtures are just so good that it's just an easy transfer to try and chase some extra green arrows. So let's just say for everyone who's listening, Jota and someone, sorry, yeah, Jota and someone else out to get Greenwood and probably a dud in somewhere. And those would be it. Uh, captaincy. I actually have had it on a Hinacho all week and mm. Leicester's game hasn't necessarily changed that feeling. I just feel like I've had quite a few weeks where I've zigged or zagged, whatever you want to choose, with my captaincy away from the template and it hasn't worked all the time. And now that I'm at 31K, the whole mindset has changed from when I was at 250 and 150K. Like, I just want to, you know, I've got about 30 points to catch to the top 10K. It's going to become 50 points if I pick the wrong captain and it goes horribly wrong. And so with that in mind, I think I'm going to be really boring and go with Salah. And God, I'm glad you said that because I've got the caps on here, Nacho. And if you didn't do that... No, oh no, I'm, not again. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm uh, yeah. So so basically, I've got two two picks. Um, I, I, by the time you heard this, hopefully Jota will be fine, and that will mean that I can do do Plan A, which is Aspilicueta and Diaz out, and Robo and Castagna in, um, for a minus four quick turnaround. Mess up, mess that up in the defense and kind of sort everything out. The issue is if Jota is as injured as people are saying he is, um, I'm going to have to get rid of him. I'm probably going to get rid of Son as well. I'm gonna have, and then I'm going to have to do something quite straightforward to get Salah, get ESR, probably. Sorry, where has this come from? Huh? Where has Smith Rowe come from? Oh, because he's uh, so basically he's he's cheap. One of, he's one of our integral players now. Actually, he he's he's got oh, I know the, that but... he's a Ramsey box to box individual. Four point two, four point two. I mean, if so, basically, if I've got Jota and Son, then I've got Salah and I've got up to 4.8 million that I can spend. So you're looking at, do I buy Jorginho? Tom, he started once in the last four games. It doesn't matter. There's been no, there's been no, he's 4.2 million. This all, this all priced in. And I've got Rudiger on the bench as well to come in if if needed. It's all priced in. Are you ready for blanks? Yeah, if he's four point two, uh, at one point. No, not as in, not as in, not as in blanks from him. I mean, blank game week. if, If he has it. Are you going to set yourself up to be down numbers too much? Yeah, I don't think I'll be too bad because um, I probably moved Aspidaqueta on by then. I'm only going to have a Nacho, um, and then yeah, unless I mean, you've jumped on this Vardy wagon. Well, I, I don't think I'll be jumping on the Vardy wagon probably. And, um, Br- and my nicer wise are Bruno and Greenwood, but then Bruno's very easy to move because like, I've been saying easy to easy to easy to move and never come back. Just in time for him going, just just in time for him to play Fulham. 
Or maybe, <laughs> or maybe, maybe I move Greenwood. Like, either, there's always transfers that you can use. It's not the end of the world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm just not even worried about that. And so, yeah, Salah and ESR. If not, I mean, the, the devil in me was thinking I'd just get Mane and then kind of triple down on this, uh, on this differential stuff and get Mane and Trossard in because I can afford those two in for Jota, Jota and Son. Um, I don't know. Trossard. Yet. Yeah, because you've got Sheffield United away. So are you just are you just making transfer based on price tag at this point? Like he's using up the value. Well, I mean, it was either him or Rafinha. If Rafinha was fit, then probably he'd be the one I'd bring in. If I was buying Mane, I don't know yet. Um, but because Bryson have got Sheffield United away, Sheffield United are a team that is worth targeting. That's that's not making any. We've agreed about on it. this. Yeah, we've agreed. Um, yeah, Leeds is not that great. Uh, but then there's no blank in uh, 36 for him. Potentially, he's got West Ham at home, which without um, Dawson, and Dawson back by then, but without maybe um, Declan Rice isn't the worst in the world. We didn't get, six, didn't get 60 minutes actually last game, which is probably not the one I'd do. Probably would go with Salah and ESR. I mean, at the end of the day, because the last couple of game weeks, my kind of high risk moves have just about paid off. I think maybe it is time to kind of conform with the Salah move and just hope that because me versus 70% of the game is going to probably work out, maybe. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested in that Mane 5% that I really am because in the day, they, they've both been performing the same over the last few weeks, but it just feels like one of those. Which If, if Mane was 7 million, I don't think you'd be interested. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's just trying to be too clever, isn't it? No, but I think that's, so. that's that's been my that's been my kiddies heel over the last few years. So maybe I just do that and just just hope the best of ESR basically. Yeah, I think you'll be uh, you might be doing an awful lot of hoping, but <laughs> I I'm, hope I'm, 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 you know, four point eight <laughs> four point eight million. You find me get Jorginho in? Should I get a Tyler Roberts at Leeds? Was one I was looking at earlier on. Like this isn't an idle uh, an idle thing. I have been looks looks good it. when he's on the pitch. In fairness, Tyler Roberts oh, looks good when he's on the pitch until we actually try to do something, which means that he actually. I really wish I could afford Martinelli. 4.9. It's just oh, the, the, the great one off. The, the, the weak, my FPL weakness, Martinelli. Always get him in just in time to get disappointed. Oh. And then, uh, there's, you know, Chabelos. Savayas. Mm, uh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't be doing that. Definitely not. Exactly. So the options run thin, put it that way. And the night runs thin, doesn't it, as well? Mm-hmm. Which means we are going to let the people go and let you get editing. So we were who got the assist. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get some correspondence in, who got the assist at gmail.com. That's all one word, who got the assist. And also, if you're listening to us for the first time, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week for a full fat pod, and that'll be Monday. Yep. Thanks for listening. We hope we assist you in the meantime. Have a good weekend. Uh, hope you will enjoy a shorter, back to normal uh, FPL game week rather than the one we just had. Goodbye. Take care. Yeah, I don't want to get any more pings from the athletic. I think I got maybe five, six, seven, eight a day for three, four days in a row. It was just like, team is doing Super League. Team has sent things out. UEFA have said something. You know, a, a dog has been walked by Alexander Seferin. Like, you said, geez, guys. <laughs> I just don't want it, do you? It's just such a, it was just such a weird time this week. I, I just don't, I, I just don't know. I, I kind of, I, I just feel like those 50 hours, all I needed. <laughs> 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 they, were every, they were everything I didn't need. I'm trying to make a start on my uh, my thesis, and then I'm dealing right, with this. Right. I'm like, ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. there's, there's so much to be said in it, but at the end of the day, 
they screwed up the comms, didn't they? Let's face it. Oh, that was the one. It didn't work. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, have a good night. Um, I'll see you on Monday. Thank you, Tom. See ya. Take care. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.